What's up everyone? Good morning and welcome to our Sunday morning online Water's Edge worship experience. Once again, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Happy Easter. Today we celebrate the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Man, he's real. He loves us. He's walking with us. He's working in our lives. Today is Easter and we celebrate the fact that Jesus loves us and he is with us. So thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We hope you have a wonderful Easter. For those of you that continue to give online, thank you so much for your generosity. We had a food pantry just this past week. We were able to feed so many people and show people the hope of love. It's all because of you, so thank you so much for doing that. Let's pray. Father, this morning we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for being good to us. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for being real. We thank you for being alive today. We thank you for giving us a reason to stand back up and walk with you and overcome and celebrate. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Your life is a story. Everyone's life is a story. And no story has perfect characters. And your story is far from over. I remember a few years ago, I was going through so much confusion and darkness and heartache and, and pain in my life that some days I wasn't even sure if I wanted to wake up on those days. I just wanted to stay asleep. And I wanted to be asleep for a really, really long time. I was exhausted on the inside. I was exhausted in my emotions, in my soul, in my heart, and in my mind. And some days I just wanted to stay asleep. And I remember God impressing on my heart, just keep going one more day, Tony, just one more day. And so that's what I would do. I would try to make it just through that day that I was in. I didn't make plans for tomorrow. I didn't make plans for next week. I tried not to think about it because it made me so exhausted and anxious on the inside. It was just killing me on the inside. So I remember God just impressing on my heart, just make it through this day. And so I would, I would get up the next day, I would do the same thing. And the next day I would do the same thing until about a year and a half later. And I finally broke through all of that and God gave me peace. Last week, we talked about how your doubts and your questions can either paralyze you or propel you, and how it's time for some of us in this life to stand up and start going forward. But that doesn't mean that this life still doesn't produce very, very confusing questions for you and I, and sometimes life can be very, very heavy. I have been following Jesus as a person of faith for 26 years. I've been a pastor and a preacher for 24 years, and I actually think today, today, I have more questions about God and no answers, or at least not many good answers, which is a problem, and it's a problem because most people turn to the church and they turn to people of faith and the Bible and things like that for answers. We ask why because we've been through pain. We ask why because we've been through heartache and confusion and we want answers. We ask why because life can be heavy and we want answers. When someone hurts us, when we get a scary diagnosis from the doctor, we want answers. When we lose a loved one, when we can't find a job, when someone that we love leaves us, we want answers. When we're lied to or lied about, when a child is hurt, when our parents get sick, when we feel alone, when our world is falling apart, deep down, we would love to have some answers. So I've been thinking about this a lot. And I actually think that this, what I'm about to tell you, this is one of the most misleading teachings that you can ever hear in the church. What I'm about to tell you, I think, is one of the most misleading teachings that people of faith tell people all the time. We see it on bumper stickers. We see it on church signs. We hear it on Christian songs. And this is what it is. People love to say this when other people are going through a hard time. Well, God is in control. When someone's world is falling apart, one of the most confusing things that you can ever tell anyone that God 
is in control. Can you imagine someone going through heartache or tragedy or pain? And one of the first answers that they get from their friends, people of faith or the church is God is in control. Really? That's the answer? Because if God is love and if God loves me and if God is in control and I'm going through this pain, then did God cause this pain? Did God allow this pain? Could God have prevented this pain? And if he didn't cause it, but he could have stopped it, and God loves me, then does God really love me? Is that true? Because what I'm going through has devastated me. So if he could have stopped it, or prevented it, or if he allowed me to go through it, and it's devastated me, then how can he love me? My world has fallen apart. And so then people lose their faith in God because how can I hold on to a God who handles his business this way? If God could stop it and he didn't, if God could prevent it and he didn't, and he's supposed to love me and this pain is devastating me, then why would I want to hold on to a God who handles his business in that way? All because we do this, all because of this one little lazy, misleading statement from the church. God is in control. I think about my younger self all the time. I think about my younger life all the time. And many times I thought about if I could go back to my younger self and tell him some things to prepare him for something, what would I say? And I thought about this. I think if I could go back and talk to my younger self, say my high school self, I would say, get prepared for a few things. Number one, you need to understand that life is messy. It's not going to be perfect. It's not always going to be peaceful. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to make sense. Life is messy. Number two, don't worry about and stop making so many decisions based off of the opinions of everyone else around you because chances are in a few years, you're not gonna see 98% of these people again. It doesn't always matter what other people think of you. But also this, I would tell that young man that one of your worst fears is going to come true in this life. Later on in your life, you're gonna get diagnosed with an incurable disease. This is going to be your life now. And so I'm going to have to tell myself, wake up, Tony. This is you now. This is your life now. Figure it out. I would tell that young man that not everything in life makes sense and to figure out who you are when the storm hits because the storm will hit. Figure out who you are when the storm hits and go forward. I would say this, this is me now. These are my circumstances. I cannot change it. And so fight and go forward. And what have you lost in this life? We lose people, we lose relationships, we lose health, we lose jobs, we lose retirements, we lose family, we lose love, we lose reputations, we lose faith. And sometimes we can't do anything about it to stop it or control it. And anytime this happens in your life, anytime you go through this type of confusion and heartache and pain, we always have to ask this question and notice this, if you're still with me, Sam's still with you. Who will I be now? I'm going through the fire. I'm going through the heartache and pain. So who will I be now? After this pain and loss, who will I become? Will this defeat me forever? Or will I learn to live my life in a new and different way because everything has changed? 
I want you to notice something today about Jesus. As we look at the life of Jesus, I want you to see a few things, and this is what they are. Number one, Jesus is God, and Jesus came to show us exactly who and how God is. Number two, Jesus does not cause everything to happen in this world, bad or good. He doesn't make it happen, and he doesn't cause it to happen. Number three, Jesus doesn't prevent bad things from happening either. If he prevented every bad thing from happening, that means sometimes he would have to take away our free will, and he's never going to do that. And then number four, Jesus usually shows up in the aftermath in our pain, and he does that. He shows up as the smoke clears to help us figure out how to fight again and how to stand up again and how to go forward. So when we say that God is in control, this is what we do not mean. Anytime you hear God is in control, understand this is what it does not mean. It does not mean that God wanted this to happen. Everything does not happen for a reason in this life. It doesn't mean that God wanted this to happen. When we say that God is in control, we do not mean that God's gonna give you every answer to every question you have because you went through something difficult. When we say that God is in control, we didn't mean that God made this happen in your life so your life could become difficult, so you could just become more like Jesus. That's not what we mean when we say that God is in control or that he was supposed to prevent it. This is what we mean when we say that God is in control when you and I are going through heartache and pain. If you're still with me, say I'm still with you. Jesus always shows up in the aftermath of our pain to help us figure out who we will be now that the pain is here and how to move forward. He didn't cause it. He didn't prevent it. But he can certainly use it in this life. In John chapter 11, we see this play out. Jesus has some really, really great friends, Mary and Martha and their brother, Lazarus. Lazarus gets sick. His sisters, Mary and Martha, send word to Jesus to come because he is about to die, but Jesus gets there too late and Lazarus dies. By the time Jesus finally gets there, Lazarus has been buried in the tomb for four days and the King James says, behold, he stinketh, he stunk. In verses 21 through 25, Martha goes out to meet Jesus as Jesus is finally showing up. He's finally showing up after the storm, after the pain, after the tragedy. She runs out to meet Jesus and says, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But then Jesus tells her, I'm the resurrection and the life. And she basically tells him, Jesus, he's already dead. You showed up after you showed up in the aftermath. You didn't show up on time. Where were you? You're late. Where is God? What's God up to? And then notice how she responds in John chapter 11, verses 32 through 37. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. In other words, you showed up too late. You showed up after, after the storm had already started. When Jesus saw her weeping, and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, not a mad anger, sad, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus, he wept, he wept with them. He loves you, he weeps with you, he hurts with you. When you're confused, he's probably closer to you than you think, he loves you. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Couldn't he have prevented this? 
Isn't God in control? In other words, people have been asking this question since the beginning of time when Jesus showed up. I thought Jesus was in control. Couldn't he have stopped this? Couldn't he have prevented this? Isn't God in control? But the story doesn't end there. Jesus shows up in the aftermath of their pain and raises Lazarus from the dead to show people that he's gonna rise from the dead one day too and that he's the resurrection. He didn't cause this pain. He didn't prevent this pain, but he certainly showed up in the aftermath to help them stand back up again and go forward now that their life is completely different. And Jesus is always doing this. He would show up after they were blind. He would show up after they were sick. He would show up after they got leprosy. He would show up after they were in the storm. He didn't cause the storm. He didn't send them into the storm, but he showed up with them after they were already in the storm to help them deal with the storm. Let me say that again. He didn't cause the storm. He didn't send them into the storm, but he showed up with them after they were already in the storm to help them deal and overcome the storm. We get so consumed about finding answers as to why we have this pain in our life instead of just finding Jesus when we have the storm and pain in our life. I had a friend of mine whose dad was murdered and shot in the streets of De Quincey. I had another friend of mine whose baby died on an airplane on their way to a mission trip in Thailand. I have some other friends of mine who had two little twin boys and one of them when he was around two or three years old wandered out of the house and walked over to the neighbor's house and fell in their pool and he drowned. I had a good friend of mine who got married and the very next week his wife died. It's probably not the best thing to tell people who are going through things like that that God is in control. But Jesus can certainly show up in the storm during the fire to help us make it out of the storm. And then, of course, there's Jesus. They arrest him. They embarrass him. They humiliate him. They, they torture him. They spit on him. They rip the skin off of his back, and then they crucify him and execute him and murder him. For the disciples, it felt like their world was falling apart. But then after, after the pain, after the heartache, after the cross, after the confusion, Jesus shows up alive. And then they all have to answer that question. Who are we going to be now? Who will we be right now, now that life is different and now that Jesus has showed up again in the aftermath of my pain? What has helped me stay faithful to Jesus is this. I have been through a lot of heartache and pain in my life. I've been through some very, very confusing things in my life. And what has helped me stay faithful was actually understanding what faith is. As we read throughout the text, we see that faith is not a feeling. It's not some positive belief. No, faith in the text is simply endurance. Faith is not some magical belief that you can muster up in your heart, and if it's strong enough, it'll cause God to work. That's not what faith is. It's not some mustering up belief and some special positive belief. It's simply endurance. When things are good or when things are just falling apart, Faith is when you keep going and you simply endure it. When you think about what faith is, think faithfulness. Faith, if you want to know what faith is, think faithfulness, endurance. 
Abraham had to endure moving to a new land. Noah had to endure building an ark that was bigger than a city. Moses had to endure going through the wilderness to Egypt to lead his nation out of Egyptian slavery. David had to endure running for his life from King Saul. Mary and Joseph had to endure an impossible story and then running for their life to Egypt. Peter had to endure his own failure and Paul had to endure his thorn in the flesh. And this text calls this faith endurance. Faith is simply endurance. It's when you refuse to let go of God, even though your world is falling apart. It's when you refuse to let go of God, even though there's pain there and there's hurt there and there's confusion there and there's loneliness there. But when your world is crashing down on you, why should you have faith? Why should you be faithful? And why should you endure? What is our reason to walk with God again? What's our reason to sing again and to serve again and to love again? What is the reason? I was talking to a relative a while back and I asked her, I said, you know, you've been through a lot of things in this life that have just been devastating. What has caused you to hold on to your faith? And this is what she said. I loved her answer. This is what she said. She said, well, there were times in my life when I didn't want to, when I didn't want to hold on to my faith in Jesus, but somehow Jesus kept showing up in the aftermath. Even when I wasn't looking for him, he came looking for me. He always showed up again and again and again. And I thought about that. It's so true. This is the reason that we stay faithful even when life is falling apart. This is the reason that we walk with God and endure and hold on even when life is falling apart. Notice this, if you're still with me, Sam, so still with you. Endurance is produced by experience. I endure because I've experienced God. I endure because God is real to me. I endure because I've experienced God bringing me through the storms and the fire. I endure because I've had very real experiences in this real life with a real God who's really alive. See, Jesus is not a set of Christian beliefs. He's not a framework that we apply to our life to make our life better. He gives us principles to apply to our life, but in reality, Jesus is just that. He's real, he's alive, he moves on us, and he walks with us. Endurance is produced by experience. This is my reason to sing today and to worship today and to love God and to love people and to endure today because I've experienced God. Even when my world is falling apart, Jesus shows up when the smoke clears to help us answer this question. I've been through pain, but who am I going to be right now? And how am I gonna go forward? Faith. Faith is when you feel defeated and dead, but you keep going anyway. Faith is when you feel discouraged and depressed, but you keep going anyway. Faith is when you don't see it, feel it, or have any answers, but you keep going anyway. If the storm is here, then who will you be right now since the storm is here? And how will you go forward? One thing is true. If you're going through the fire, everyone else is too. He's not gonna prevent it in your life, but he's gonna show up and walk with you in that fire. And when the smoke clears, you can look back on your life and that's when you can see and say, that's how God was moving. That's how God was working. I'm so glad that I held on. I'm so glad that I endured. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We hope you have a wonderful Easter. We cannot wait to see you back next week. And by the way, if you're a local online viewer, Come hang out with us in person. We have plenty of room. We would love to see you. Have a great week.